Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated uh, by the Daniel S. Loeb Torah Center, um, which has been the, uh, the source of so, so many Torah classes all throughout the week. Uh, if anyone would like to sponsor the Torah Center, we have a wall of sponsors. You're more than welcome to do that per year. Um, you, get, uh, you really get your money's worth. It's not, uh, it's not cheap because there's a lot of Torah that's being taught and we need to cover a lot of different expenses. But if you'd like to join us in that, you can let us know. If you want to sponsor one of the classes, contact us on info at ejsny.org. Are you joking? Oh. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, I thought we had another one. All right. Fine. Let's begin. Breakfast of the class today is dedicated in loving memory of Brook Basha Rifka Bat Sincha Sara. And Toby Yaakov Akoin Ben Chaim, for the Kabir Fuash and the Mouth of their children, Jake Yaakov Ben Basha of Yaakov, Cooper Shimuel Ben Basha, and Addison Hannah Abad Basha of Yaakov, sponsored by Sheila Zara. Also dedicated anonymously in honor of Michael, David, Sion, Ben, Miriam, Sarah, Bat Leah, for Brachavat Salah for them and their entire family. Swedish Fuash and the Mouth for Hannah Bat Simafega, Eliash Mazal for Tune, and as well dedicated for a Speedy Kabir Fuash and for Shmuel Ben Geraz. And the Weed and Cobra was sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your unwavering commitment to doing good for the state of Israel, for others around you doing these challenging times today and every day. We also happen to have with us a uh, wonderful cohort of women from the project Inspire Universe coming all the way from Teaneck and and Bergenfield and Fairlawn. Hazaku Baruch. The only problem with coming to a live class is you can't skip the sponsorships. Okay. <laughs> My friends, it's very special when people cross over the divide and come from uh, online into a, uh, a, a, a in-person class. Uh, that's always a very special thing. And we're glad to have uh, people who learn, who learn with us every day here with us in person. Let us begin. The Pasuk tells us that when Yaakov Avinu passed away, Vayavou ad goren ha'atad. And they came to the threshing floor of atad is thistles, of, uh, uh, of the uh, uh, thorns, if you will, of, of the, of the tivu'ah. And the question is, asks the Midrash, Amar Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachman. Shmuel Bar Nachman says, Chazanu ala mikra. We went through the whole of the Torah. They didn't have safari back then. They couldn't just scan it on Google. He went through the whole Torah. Ve'lo matzanu makom sheshmo atad. We have not found any such place in the entire of the Torah, entirety of the Torah, which is called atad. And if there's no place, it's called Atad right now. It's an airline, Etihad. But if you go back then, then Atad, there's no such thing as Atad. So what is this place that is being described here in the Pasuk? Not only that, is there such a thing as Goren, as a, uh, a storehouse of thistles? No one gathers thistles and thorns. They're not worth anything. They're nothing. So what is the Pasuk trying to tell us? Ela says the Midrash. These people from Canaan, they were worthy of being destroyed, uh, overlooked, pushed away, thrown away, like thistles are. It's not something that people gather. You take the good and you throw out the bad. These Canaanim, they had no merit. They were not great people. They deserved and their future was to just be wiped out, to not be part of, uh, of the world of the living. What merit did they have that they managed to survive? Says the Midrash, Bizchut chesed sha'asu im Yaakov avinu. With the chesed, with the kindness that they did with Yaakov. Ma chesed asu. What did they do? 
What did they do for Yaakov when they were taking him to be buried? What did these Kinaanim do that they merited to be uh, to get their to merit salvation? Amar Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Lazar says, "Ezorem motnehem hetiru." The belts that they had with their uh, weapons on it, right? They opened their belts. Uh, you find these words, by the way, all throughout the Torah. Vayezor motnav. They tied on their, uh, their swords. That means that they were going into battle. They saw the procession, the funeral procession of Yaakov Avinu, a great tzaddik. What did they do to show uh, 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 solidarity? To show that they were with? They opened up their belts of their, of their weapons. Resh Lakish Omer, Resh Lakish says, Kshurot kaftotehen etiru. They untied their laces. Again, a show of respect. Ribar Shalom, Rabbi Yusuf Ben Shalom says, Heru be'etzba. They pointed with their finger, ve'ameru, evel kaved zele Wow. Look at this. That is, that is a big source of avelut. Heavy mourning for Egypt. That means that they recognized that Yaakov was a tzaddik, that this was a, a blow to the Egyptians. Virabanan ameru, and the rabbis say, Zakfu komatan. They were sitting, they were crouching, they were this. What did they do? They straightened up. Zakfu komatan. They stood up, they straightened their backs. Listen to the end of this midrash. What an unbelievable kalvachomer one could draw. A, learn, a learning opportunity. Uma elu, these people. They did not move. They didn't walk with the funeral. They didn't lift the beer. They didn't help bury the person. They did not uh, dig the grave. Because they pointed with a finger. Because they untied a belt. Because they loosened uh, some, some shoelaces. They were saved from being punished. Yisrael she'em osim chesedim gdolem. The Jewish nation that does kindness with their elders, v'im k'tanehem, with the youngers, b'idehem u'b'ragleim, with their hands and their feet, with their actions, al-achat kama v'kama. How much more so? What kind of reward does a person merit to see when they're doing such acts of unbelievable kindness uh, with, their, with their bodies. Now, I want to point out, what do we learn from this Midrash? What are we being taught from this Goren Ha'atad, from this uh, storehouse, this threshing floor of, of, of thistles, of thorns? You know, I think what we're being taught is something unbelievable. You know, the thorns, I don't know if, you, if you've uh, ever purchased roses, from a guy on the side of the road that knocks on your window. They sell you roses for uh, 12 roses for whatever it is, for $10 or $6 or whatever. Go try and buy roses at a store in Manhattan. Forget Valentine's Day. Go try and buy 12 roses at a regular store in Manhattan. What does it cost? Sorry? 30, 20. Just want to point out the people that knew that uh, for, in case their wives are listening. That was Avi right over here, and that was Shai Mahani. So if your wives listening, Sarah and Joel, you should just know 
They were the ones in a room full of people, men and women, who knew the price of a dozen roses. Treasure your husbands, treat them well. <laughs> that is a good, that's a good bit of knowledge. I bet you if I asked how much Nick's tickets were, we'd get more of a response. Okay, my friends, I want you to understand what we're being taught over here. You get the roses from the cheap guy who knocks on your window. What happens? You go to grab them and hand them to your wife. The thorns are still attached. You get them from a nice store. What have they done? They've stripped the thorns. They've thrown the thorns away. What do you do with the thorns on a rose? You throw them away. Says the Midrash, there are things that people throw away that in Shamaim, in the eyes of the Torah, are called Goren Ha'atar. Oh, a warehouse, a storehouse of thorns, of thistles. We're going to get to Shamaim, and hopefully after 120, and we're going to expect to see certain things in the warehouses of mitzvot that God has put aside for us. We expect in Shamaim, when we want good things to come our way, that God has a couple good deeds of ours stashed on the side. And I think that you and I, we think we know what those good deeds are. You know, there was that one time I helped that guy. There was that other time where, you know, someone asked me for some advice and I was really in a rush and I sat down and I gave them the time of day. I spent the time with them. My friends, that's what we think. That in Shamaim, God is collecting roses, like the Pasuk says, Dori Dodi Yarad Legano, Lilkot Shoshanim. My beloved, he came down to his garden to collect the roses. And we think that that's all that God collects. But we could have used an expression for any other flower. And then what God would be taking to heaven is only flowers and not thorns. The actions that a person does that they don't even remember. The little things that are throwaway in heaven, there are storehouses full of them. Look at what the Midrash is telling you Hashem paid attention to. They unbuckled their belt. They pulled the thanksgiving. <laughs> unbuckled their belt. That's a big deal. Untied their shoelace. Stood up. How insignificant an action is that? And the Torah is telling us that that saved their lives. My friends, someone asks you for directions and you tell them or you tell them and you show them two completely different outcomes in the heavens. You give someone tzedakah and the guy's asking you for money, taps you on the shoulder, and you take your card, and you tap your card like this. You gave him the money. Or you turn around, you tap the card like this, and you give him a smile. Two completely different outcomes. What we do not realize is that in the limited scope of this world, and you know what, for us, life seems very long. But in the span of God's life, eternity. How long is a person alive in this world? Yamav says the Pasuk, 
Kitzel over. Our lives are like a passing shadow. It's like snapping your fingers. That's your whole life right there. Your birth, your growth, your turning to puberty, and your voice changing like that at your bar mitzvah. You're going to high school, you're getting married, you're having children, them getting married, you're having grandchildren. You know, you're getting the walker at 119 years old. Passing away at 120, all of that for us took such a long time. Wow, I saw the world change. But in God years, that's nothing. Ki elef shanim be'enecha. Ki yom ki avor. A thousand years. It's like a day in the life. It's nothing. My friends, to us it's long. To God it's nothing. But in that short span of time that we do get, HaKadosh Baruch Hu pays incredibly close attention. Not to catch you out. Not to catch you doing bad things. To catch you doing good things. To notice every time you moved a finger. You lifted an eyebrow. Again, I want to break this down for a minute. The Chafetz Chaim in the laws of Lashon Hara says that a person can be guilty of Lashon Hara not even by saying a word. That person, rat, trash. We're just sensitive to those two words together in New York City. That person, dishonest. Someone asked me only yesterday. I was called, asked, should I do business with this person? The person is not 100% honest. What does he mean? I asked him, he says, was I allowed to tell them I would not do business with them? I said, well, would they have been hurt by that person's business? You're telling me he's shady. What kind is shady? Slim shady, regular shady, what kind? Is this guy, is, is the work that he's doing, is it going to harm the person? Is it just that it's not done in the conventional way? How much are you allowed to say? How much do you know? Do you know that that's still the case? Yeah, you know, the, you told the guy, I would not do business with him. How about if the guy sees you in shul, and he says, would you do business with the guy? And you go, Lashonara, Lashonara, what'd you do? I'm so sorry for the people that are listening to the audio. There's so many things here that you're missing. I apologize. Yeah? Someone asks you about a certain person for a shidduch. And they are, shall we say, interesting. And you say, oh, you know, this person was suggested to my daughter or, you know, my daughter's going to have this guy. And you just do this. Raise your eyebrows. Your raising of the eyebrows is Lashonara. Chafetz Chaim says it explicitly. Isn't that wild? Did you think that your eyebrows could do Averot? That your eyebrows could do, by the same token, Mitzvot? So if you're someone that does not have eyebrows, you might be very lucky. If you're someone who does a lot of mitzvah with your eyebrows, you might want to invest in microblading. Let's go. <laughs> Let those eyebrows be clear when you're going, this is the way to shul. <laughs> someone tells you something negative about someone, and not only do you not believe it, and not only do you walk away, you give them eyebrows like, look, I don't want to hear, or you look very surprised. Those eyebrows are hatalat nefashot. They could save someone's life. 
They could save a relationship. Do you think I could trust this person? And you say, you nod your head yes. This little motion. That's what we're learning over here. In heaven, there are storehouses of thorns, of things that otherwise would have gotten thrown away. God does not hold back the reward of any creation for the tiniest thing. So, now that we know that, we start understanding what the Pasuk means. We say in Ishmat Kolchai, Kal Atzmotai Tomarna, all of my, uh, my appendages, all of my bones, all of my fingers, Tomarna will say, what, is, what does it say in the, in, come on in the prayer? Did it just go on? Oh, okay, we'll see. The shoe is not over yet. God, that's what I tomarna. What will my what will my hands, my feet say? that there's no one like you, Hashem. How does your finger say that there's no one like God? How does that happen? My friends, I want to point this out. Ashkenazim learn this pasuk differently than Sefaradim. How do Ashkenazim understand this? That all of my bones, Tomarna, will speak the praise of God. They shake in prayer. So when you're shaking in prayer, what are you doing? All of your body is involved in prayer. But Sefaradim really always frowned upon the shaking in prayer. The swaying. Did you know that? I've been told off by many an old Sephardic man. Stop shaking. What are you doing? I learned in an Ashkenazi yeshiva, so that's what I saw. You know? And if you don't shake with everybody else, you get dizzy. I'm not that, this is not, I'm not playing. If you shake with them, you know, if the room stays still, but if you're not shaking. And this elderly man said to me something that I understand. He said, you're standing in front of a king. Could you imagine someone standing in front of a king doing this? I said, okay, I hear that. I mean, this is not any king, right? Still, I get it. What does kalat mutai tomana mean for someone who's Sephardic, who doesn't shake? My friends, this is what it means. Komazekufa. I'm praying and I'm standing straight. I'm lifting my hands. I'm focusing. I'm quieting my nerves. It takes as much strength to tell your limbs to stay straight, to not do anything, as it does sometimes to move. This idea, kalat mutai, to do a mitzvah with your hand, to put tefillin on your arm, to use your eyes to see the Shabbat candles, to use your nose to smell the samim, Everything that you're doing with your body is the fulfillment of a mitzvah. And there are at least th- two or three mitzvot that a person fulfills with their whole body. One mitzvah is sukkah. You fulfill the mitzvah with your entire body. Another mitzvah is mikveh. Tvilah, excellent. Another mitzvah is Yishuv Eretz Israel, living in Israel. 
These are mitzvot that a person does. I'm using my all of my body to do, to say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's no one like you. And you know what, how you say that? When you do a mitzvah with your hands, with your feet, with your fingers, think, be conscious, be mindful of what you are doing. In Havdalah, we have a mitzvah, and the mitzvah is, we say, Borei Minei B'Samim. And the Chachamim tell us that actually, this sense is one of the highest senses of the five senses. Why? It's the sense, actually, that is going to be present in discerning whether or not someone is Mashiach. How will we know if someone's Mashiach? Excellent. Says the Pasuk, Mashiach is not going to need to judge you based on the court case, based on the presentation of evidence. He'll be able to smell. He'll be able to smell whether you're guilty or innocent. The Chachamim want to know why. Why of all of the senses is that the case? And Kabbalistically, we learn a very great lesson. Because in the original sin of Adam HaRishon, the Pasuk tells us that he saw that the tree looked beautiful. She saw. It was Nechmad. It, she felt the tree. She tasted from the fruit. She listened to the snake. The one sense that was not involved in the original sin was what? The sense of smell. There was an element that had not been made, rendered impure. Think about that when you smell besamim. I'm using this sense, this smell, to be able to do a mitzvah. I'm looking at something, it's a mitzvah. My friends, I want to share with you something. A little while ago, I got a phone call from one of the Garmazians. And they tell me about one of the grandparents who was a very holy man. One time on a Saturday night, they found him in a pit on the side of the road. No one could find where he was. They retraced the steps. They found him in a pit. What happened? They have a custom in that community, I believe, that the first thing that you look at after Havdalah should be something holy. And that's how you start the week. By looking at something holy, that's the first thing you do after Havdalah. Anyway, for whatever reason, he maybe prayed a little bit longer than everybody else. Okay? And he didn't want to see something that was impure or unholy before he started his week. So what did he do? He walked home with his eyes closed. He fell into a pit. And if I remember the details correctly, and I'm sure if I don't, I'll get a Garmazian-themed phone call. They found him in the pit with his eyes still closed. My friends, I'm not suggesting everybody here goes falling in pits. That's not my uh, suggestion. But I am saying what a beautiful sensitivity it is to take the gift of sight and decide what you want to do with it. Our rabbis tell us that there's a mitzvah 
to see our tzaddikim. And that's the source of taking a picture of a rabbi, of someone that you learn from that is holy in your eyes and hanging their picture in your home. And you, your eyes should see those that you are in awe of. And by that same token, the Gemara tells us, you're not allowed to look at the face of a rasha. My wife and I were talking about this. In a, one of the Jewish publications, they sent around a whole article with the faces of the terrorists from October 7th. My wife was like, why, did the, why does that need to be in every Jewish home? Why do Jewish children need to be looking in the face of pure evil? What is to be gained by that? What do you use your sight for? What do you use your smell for? Holy? Mundane. I remember reading an unbelievable story. I cannot remember who was the rabbi in the story, so please forgive me. There was a rabbi in Israel, and they had a daf yomi shiur. And there was one guy who was a fishmonger. And the guy would come to the shiur, he's a simple guy, he would come to the shiur, he would fall asleep in the shiur every single day. There is nothing that gives a rabbi more confidence <laughs> than having a guy snoring in your class. But not only was the guy coming and snoring in the class, the smell on him. People are gagging in the shiur. Anyway, people come to the rabbi and they say, listen, rabbi, the guy's sleeping through the shiur anyway. He's not gaining anything. Maybe tell him he, sh you know, he should go home and shower before he comes, or maybe he doesn't need to come if he's sleeping anyway. But none of us, we can't, we can't breathe. We can't focus. Rabbi says, listen, I'm not going to tell a guy he stinks. He's not going to do it. But they say we can't concentrate. We can't maybe move the shiur to an earlier time so he can't come. And the rabbi went to ask his rabbi what to do. And the rabbi said, what's the answer? Cancel the class. Cancel the class. Cancel the whole Torah learning for everybody else. Don't ask him not to come. For what? For a guy who's sleeping, snoring, who's disturbing. That's what it means to be conscious of how you use your smell, your sight. Your fingers. Our bodies are one giant mitzvah machine. And a person has the opportunity to do these mitzvot in an unbelievable way every day. And God never forgets. And never, never, never misses even a single thing you do with a finger, with an eyebrow, with an ear, with a nose, with a smell, with a taste. 
Every single, you took one step out of your way to show the person, not just told him, make a left, go over there. Hashem writes it down. I'll end with one story that happened this morning because it blows me away. I have a gentleman here in our uh, community. He wakes up this morning and he takes his phone and the phone screen is not working. He's a purveyor of art. He always needs to be on his phone. People are calling from around the world. He grabs his phone and the phone screen is not on. He's trying, can't get it to work. He goes downstairs, huh? Working. He goes downstairs. He can't figure out what to do. The doorman, the doorman's calling him. Everything, nothing is working, nothing. He thinks to himself, I could go to the, I, to the, to the Apple store, they could fix my phone, but then I'm going to miss praying. I'm going to go pray. Hashem, and when I finish praying, my phone's going to work. And God, if my phone works, right after we finish praying, I'm not going to use my phone anymore before Shacharit. And that, as he said to me, can cause him to not pay attention when he prays, cause him to pray later than he would otherwise would have prayed. We finish the prayers. And as we finish the prayers, he hands a phone to someone else in the, in the room. The guy pushes the button, the power button, and the screen comes on. The second we finish the prayers... Hashem, I know how hard it is for you to not use your phone before you pray. I know. That's, that's what you want? Right after? Exactly? Okay, you got it. Exactly then. What an unbelievable expression of God paying attention to our eyebrow and even our phone screen. Hashem should bless us that we should be zocheh to do mitzvot like they say about the hokey pokey. Not the right arm in, not the right leg in, not the left leg in, but the whole body shaking it all about. Someone wants help, you don't give them the phone number, you get involved and you're baking challah for that family. You're making food. Not only did you make the food, you took it down to the, what's it called, to the place. You didn't call an Uber, you drove it to the person's house. It's unbelievable. This is the power of Am Yisrael. To do a mitzvah with everything that you've got, with every fiber of your being. And when a person does it that way, we say with our body, with our limbs, with our senses, that there's no one like God in this world. Because we're dedicating every bit of ourselves to Him. Hashem should bless us with lives filled with berakah.